This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Want to help yourself and others process past traumas without having to re-engage with the memories attached? Are you weighed down by your emotional baggage and ready to check it for good? Do you feel drawn toward a career in wellness where you can heal yourself and facilitate the healing of others? The Somatic Activated Healing Method, aka the SAW Method, is a revolutionary wellness practice combining the healing modalities of somatic movement, rhythmic breathwork, positive affirmations, and dynamic meditation as developed by Sadi Simone. This transformative experience has the power to help resolve past trauma, process present pain, and fortify resilience for the future. Students have called the method better than three years of therapy and report a 93% transformation rate after practicing somatic activated healing. This is life-changing work. Want to get involved? We are currently accepting students for our next round of SAW Method teacher training, which kicks off in January 2023. Join our certification program and get on the cutting edge of modern wellness. As a Spiritually Sassy Show listener, we're offering an exclusive 10% discount on your registration. Visit SAWMethod.com and enter the code PODCAST to join today. That's SAWMethod.com and enter the code podcast for 10% off and join today. What's up, my darlings, and welcome back to the Spiritually Sassy Show. Ah, what a delicious conversation I just had with Jay Dev. He's somebody that, that I've wanted to have on a podcast for a long time and, you know, with all of our travels and things, it just never worked out, but it worked out today. And it was so juicy, so meaningful, so deep. I remember looking at the clock and being like, it's only seven, it's only been seven minutes. And we've already talked about some really profound stuff. These are the kinds of conversations that, you know, make me want to continue to do this show because they're so inspiring. You're gonna walk out of this conversation feeling just like uplifted, educated fired up. Anyways, let me give you some little background on who our guest was today. His name is Jay Dev. He's a renowned teacher of Kundalini Yoga and Ayurveda and founder of Life Force Academy, a global training academy for the yogic arts and sciences with members in over 60 countries around the world. Get into this episode, and don't forget, my darlings, if you love the show, please rate, review, subscribe, um, and share with your friends in your community. I need your support to keep the show full power. Love you. Peace. Well, hello there, dear, and welcome to the show. I think we've been trying to do this. We've been trying to have you on the show for so long, and it's finally aligned. Welcome to the Spiritually Sassy Show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Sam. So happy to be here. Glad we're finally doing this. I'm excited. I know. Yes, me too. So first question I ask everybody, um, okay. most of the times, sometimes I forget because I get carried <laughs> away, but now I remember. Uh, who are you right now? Hmm. Yeah, I'm just a human being, um, kind of trying to always... That's a ever, you know, I love that. That's a beautiful question to start with because it does, it changes. It's always, I always feel like um, the language I like is it's blossoming. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a blossoming human being. That's who I am right now in the broader sense of things. You know, I'm also mm-hmm. a father. I'm also have a, I'm a teacher. I have a business, uh, you know, all these other labels, but all those are really fleeting you know, mm-hmm. what I really am is what the whole discovery is about. That's the, that's the mystery. And um, so in blossoming into that in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And, and I think like 
it's so hard to realize that we are changing so rapidly and we're we're not who we think we are and we're not as solid as we think we are we're not as permanent as fixed as rigid as we think we are and i think so much of the spiritual path can open us up to see that we are you know a, a, a passing experience but so much of our suffering comes from our inability to realize this passing transient moving experience would you agree to this oh definitely the problem with it of course is it's like it's not too hard to understand that but it takes so much time and just tenderness and baby steps to actually start to embody that reality that you know the fact that you know i'm a father for instance you know that's a temporary status you know who knows? And so like, or if I'm married or single, or if I'm, you know, uh, got some money or don't got some money, all of these things, you know, our mind tends to like grasp onto those things. Naturally, we all do it mm-hmm. as a way of kind of in, a, in an attempt to stabilize our happiness. That's what the emotional mind and the subconscious mind tends to do. Uh, in an attempt, because and, and that's actually a beautiful thing in the sense that you, you know the the that that the natural impulse of the human being, or I think even all living beings, is to find happiness. It's mm-hmm. a natural desire mm-hmm. that we all have, and, and in an attempt to do that, the mind, when it's left on its kind of default settings, tends to grasp onto things that are ultimately changing in nature and and when you grab onto those things and attempt to stabilize our happiness those things eventually change and we're not left actually with happiness at all even Mm -hmm. if you go from the negative to the positive in the sense of like in the context say no money is a negative and lots of money is a positive most people Mm -hmm. if you have the choice you want do you want no money or you do i don't care how spiritual you are you want no money or you want lots of money. Most mm-hmm. people are going to choose lots of money. This mm-hmm. is not a negative or a positive ultimately, but relatively, more money is a positive to the no money is a negation. It's a negative. Mm-hmm. And so even if you go from no money to lots of money, negative to a positive, eventually, at first that positive energy is going to stimulate me. It's going to make me feel good. My life is going to get easier. And then it won't matter. And then it, it only does that temporarily. And it might help us kind of like get to a new plateau in our life. It's not that we don't, we need resources. We need, you mm-hmm. know, to live our lives and to continue and to all that. It's not putting a negative on money, but it's, it goes to show though, anyone who's ever come across some money knows eventually that money acts, can act just as much as a weight as it does a helping mm-hmm. hand. And so, especially when we're grasping onto it, for something that it can't never really deliver for us. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's super mm-hmm. interesting, isn't it? I love that we're going right into it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And it's like, you know, in um, in Buddhism, some of the scriptures say that all experiences are inherently unsatisfactory. Yeah. And that is so brutal to hear. It's so brutal. Like, I don't want to hear that. Keep that to yourself, honey, you know? Uh, well, that's tr- totally true within a certain context. So, like, what, what did uh, like, so say it again, how you, how you quoted it? It's from, from my understanding and, like, me paraphrasing slash mm-hmm. misquoting it and totally mm-hmm. interpreting through my, my limited yeah. mind, but it says to the effect of, like, all experiences – um, are inherently unsatisfactory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree with that, actually, but it's not as brutal. I, and I love the brutal. I love that you re- respond that way. That's the best. Um, it's so cruel. Like, stop <laughs> it. it. You know, it's painful to be alive already. Shit. Well, here, you could change one word, and it might change the feeling of it. When you, when you say all phenomenon are ultimately dissatisfactory mm-hmm. and and i think that's kind of talking about the changing world the t- and so the real the what's what's supremely blissful which is what also the buddha would say is what's in between mm-hmm. the positive and negative 
mm-hmm. poles of of phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And so the body is a phenomenon. They say that you know if you treat if you treat all the experiences uh, like you would a rainbow, so you don't mm-hmm. have like a bummed out bummed out uh, feeling about a rainbow. A rainbow is amazing. But partly of what makes it amazing is you know what's about to happen when you see a rainbow. Mm-hmm. First of all, it doesn't come around all the time. Life is precious. Right. Yeah. And then you also know what? It's about to dissipate. And this mm-hmm. is what the experience of the phenomenon of the material world is, the changing mm-hmm. temporary world. So what I think the Buddha is talking about is that that is something along those lines. However, I do think also... Uh, there is another way we could talk about experiences because there is a tendency to chase experiences like in a yogic path, which, you know, the Buddha's yoga is a yogic path, of course. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and that sometimes as much as like, for instance, like uh, psychedelic plants, um, even like Kundalini yoga, Kriyas, Mm-hmm. Um, anything that gives us profound experiences, there can't that it can't it does become an obstacle along the way to where you end up a bit chasing experiences and losing sight of the actual nectar that's there. Mm-hmm. And so, as the path gets more subtle and subtle and subtle, that becomes something to kind of wrestle with a little bit. That's so right. I so I don't know. What do you think of that, though? All phenomenon. I, I love all phenomenon. I think that might be actually the language. It's like everything that comes to be, everything comes to be because of something else. And therefore, everything is always like being born and dying. And the fact that we tried, <laughs> and it, it kind of goes back to what you opened with it. It's this idea that we can hold on to anything as a way to stabilize our happiness and keep this everlasting you know, happy chemistry coursing through us. It's all illusory. It's all like everything comes to an end, you know, even a happy feeling comes and goes, but how can we stabilize our, our peace and our awareness? And then I think we can go a layer deeper, right. And agree through, through your tradition, the Buddhist tradition, sort of the Eastern traditions um, that there is this basic fundamental innate quality to awareness that we are fundamentally good that we are fundamentally peaceful luminous aware and and bliss may be uh, a, a sort of an innate quality it's what you said earlier it's what happens in between right in the in between state between something being born and something dying or something coming to be and and leaving this kind of coming and going um what like how we respond to that, I think it's how we then build a sense of total satisfaction, no matter what comes and goes, right? Yes. Yeah, I think you said that beautifully. The, and that is kind of like starting, and that can be real practical too, you know, the, because ultimate bliss, you know, who knows what that is? Yeah, in, in fact, you know, we can't fully know what that is until we fully experienced it. And, and, but we know a little bit of what, what it is because we continually be, can have experiences that help us stabilize our happiness. Anytime we like, for instance, enter into a meditative space in with our mind and body, and we have an experience of our brilliance, we have an experience of how great we feel. We have an, we feel a sense of purpose all of that to me is emanations of that real deeper happiness. That's why I think mm-hmm. sense of purpose is so important to, to try to keep track of and not mm-hmm. overly contextualize it within the context of our careers. Our sense of purpose is so much deeper than our activity in the world. That's mm-hmm. one aspect of it. You see it like in the 10th house of the Zodiac, like the Dharma in action, but it's not the Dharma itself, the career. The real deeper dharma, deeper purpose of our life is indescribable. Dharma, like dharma, one of the maybe the most important definition of dharma is reality itself. And so, to have, uh, to have whatever we are doing in our life, whatever practices we're using, uh, whatever tools we're using to help us understand ourselves better, help us understand how our mind operates 
help us understand what our unique tendencies are. That's why I love astrology so much because it helps me understand my unique tendencies, which I already know of, but it shines a light on them and gives me wisdom in regards to them and shows me how I can refine, oh, what's the higher creative expression of this tendency? Oh, what's Mm. the lower, more destructive expression of this tendency? Because all of them have, all of it, have both of those polarities. Yeah. And so it's not denying polarity. It's not denying pleasure like that. You know, a lot of the great Buddhist masters are pretty Saturnian characters, you know, whereas they're, and it's also very male in a lot of it that's been transferred. Of course, there is actually great traditions of, of yoginis, of Tibetan and Buddhist yoginis throughout all time. But as with all the traditions all over the world, they've been suppressed uh, mm-hmm. over, you know, thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of this stuff is, in, especially the ancient stuff, is much more masculine in nature. But that that's a great, I love that, you know, all, all experiences or phenomena are innately uh dissatisfactory mm-hmm. that's a great from a saturn perspective that's a great teaching you know but jupiter would tell you it, it would come somewhere like in the opposite polarity of saturn and say all all of it is bliss you know mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. even the things of the changing world are at ultimately emanations of bliss so that and that sounds great so okay let's party for sure but also that means our, the really difficult things are bliss too. Mm-hmm. And so when really mm-hmm. challenging times come our way, which they always eventually do from time mm-hmm. to time, that's, right. that's also wisdom coming to us. But it's mm-hmm. harder to accept that wisdom because it's very difficult. But mm-hmm. inside of that difficulty is such a deep medicine. And so mm-hmm. when we, that's what it means to kind of go between the two things. It's not denying the two things in a tantric perspective. Mm-hmm. It's embracing all of it, but it's dwelling in the space between in regards to how you interact with it. So when the pleasure comes, I will embrace it, mm-hmm. but only because I can also embrace the pain and the difficulty. Mm-hmm. So if I would say, okay, that will be done, you know, whatever, you know, um, but when everything's going fantastically beautiful, like, you know, I'm in the flow. If I can't say I'm in the flow, I'm in the spirit when everything's kind of, you know, falling apart, then my in the flow or my thy will be done doesn't really have a lot of gravitas when I'm saying it, when things are going the way I hope they would, or mm-hmm. that in a way that's giving me more pleasures in my life. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the way to happiness personally. It's a, it, take some austerity in a certain way because it requires uh, that we investigate our mind Mm -hmm. and that we pay attention and bring awareness to how we feel and to our emotional feelings and how do we feel safe how do we really Mm -hmm. feel safe Mm -hmm. that's what the moon's all about how do i what are my deepest needs the feminine Mm -hmm. side of things not just you know the sun is like what's my purpose you know Mm -hmm. but the moon is what are my deepest needs you know, how do I, how can I be nurtured without mm-hmm. the moon? We can't get bliss because that's the feminine side of it. In fact, one of the names of the moon in India is Soma, which mm-hmm. is like the nectar of bliss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So oh my God, I love all insights. this. So much to unpack here. <laughs> yes. Um, I love this. You know, I, I think one question that comes up for people often, it's, you know, they're like, my therapist tells me to feel my feelings. And I'm just literally picking one thing that you said out of like this prophetic, yeah, sure. oracular, deep, delicious <laughs> nectar that you just spilled. I'm picking one little thing out of it. Okay. Um, and it's, it's in regards to like feeling your feelings. Mm. I think a lot of people have a really hard time understanding what that means. And even like, they don't know what it means. They don't know how to practice you know, so, so how do, you know, how do you teach your students, uh, people in your, in your lineage, in your world to feel their feelings and like, what's the benefit of actually having a daily practice of processing our feelings as they come? Mm. Yeah. Well, that's a great question. And I think, you know, especially like for me as a man, uh, you know, males, we don't have, you know, the greatest training in being able to do that 
specifically. I think humans in general, of course, but also uh, male identifying humans, mm-hmm. uh, especially because, you know, that was, you know, considered for so many of us a sign of weakness. And as a man, you're supposed to be strong, you know, so we have that, you know, on top of the already the difficulty of feeling difficult feelings, just period, mm-hmm. and not to be overwhelmed by them. And so that's what I think is like, feeling safe, feeling mm-hmm. safe enough in your own body and mind and in your existence is who you are, to be mm-hmm. able to feel and I think a lot of that has to do with and this is what I love, like, you know, back to the Buddhist concept is that the the nucleus of every living being they call the Buddha called Garba, which is they often translate like Buddha nature. Uh, every living sentient being is a pure intelligence, a pure love, a pure energy. So if that's my starting point, I know that about myself. And in fact, I've experienced that about myself because this is what's so helpful about yoga practices and meditation practices and all sorts of spiritual practices that help us to not just know that philosophically, but to actually give it embodiment, have an actual experience of it. Mm -hmm. Well, then I can feel, so then what is, and I'm not born in sin. There isn't nothing wrong with me. I'm not broken. Mm. The mind, my mind can be a total mess from time to time. Yes. But that's not me. Mm-hmm. The real me is is a shining sun. And so so I I want to and that's experience that's a, a place I've come to. I didn't start out th- feeling that in my life, you know, just FYI, you know, this is stuff that we can uncover over time as our as our our real confidence comes forward by knowing what we what are we really all about. Regard uh, regardless of anything else you know you take mm-hmm. everything away what what is left and um so anyways so so as that as a starting point then i can feel that actually there's nothing wrong with me and i can feel much safer that way to feel what are the emotions because why i'm not pushing them down because they're bad anger is not bad it's not bad to feel sad. It's not bad. It's not bad to feel jealous. It's not bad to feel all any of the human emotions. Guilt, what be, and shame, despair, guilt, shame, despair. Yeah. yeah, I don't belong. Uh, you know, any and all of it. And so, of course, once again, just like the subconscious mind is grasping for pleasures, it's also pushing away pain. That's what it tends to do. Mm. And, and and so what's the primary way it pushes away pain is it doesn't want to feel the tough stuff and and guilt is a difficult thing to feel you know and there's layer who knows you know depending on where we come from and what our childhood was like and who knows about you know past lifetimes mm-hmm. you know this is very deep waters we're talking about here So we don't, and we're also not in a rush. That other thing of knowing that we come out of goodness and we come out of love, we come out of intelligence. It's like, what's the rush? You know, Mm. I'm also enjoying, I'm enjoying myself like I am right now, not trying to fix myself all the time. And, you know, I used to be that way, trying to fix myself all the time. And now it's like, no, let me chill. Let me enjoy myself. And, but also let me have my practices and let me have my dharmas and let me have my devotions and the things I've found to be helpful and let's enjoy life, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a part of it. It's like we don't have to feel it all at once. Mm-hmm. You just feel it at the level that we feel safe enough to feel it mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and to let it let and to recognize that it's good medicine because that same energy that's anger, this is the, this is the anger is a more more destructive expression of the fire element. But the creative the creative expression of the fire element is is wisdom and and is warmth of heart and is radiance, clarity of the mind, brightness and luster to the skin, luster and brightness to the eyes. Mm-hmm. So I now have an invested interest if I ha- if I'm for instance like chronically passive aggressive 
Well, first of all, let's not take ourselves too seriously. Some of us are totally passive aggressive and it's our habit. And we're going to be a lot, feel a lot better and a lot happier if we recognize that and admit mm-hmm. that to ourselves so that it can change. But first, mm-hmm. in order to actually recognize it, I have to feel it. What should mm-hmm. I do if I feel passive aggressive? First mm-hmm. step, feel passive aggressive, <laughs> you know, feel mm-hmm. what it feels like, you know, mm-hmm. what, do, what should I do if I feel angry, feel angry. If I feel in a safe enough space to let that anger come up without it harming anyone else or myself, mm-hmm. sometimes that thing's too strong, you know, we need to get some support from our friends or our therapist or whatever, or our loved mm-hmm. ones, um, or uh, some sort of spiritual way that we connect to life. But mm-hmm. so that's what I think is his first step is always feel it. You know, if you feel mm-hmm. angry, what should you do? Feel angry when you can and allow mm-hmm. that to come out, allow it to mm-hmm. feel. But then I always like look at yoga, like Kundalini yoga is what I'm into. It's like mm-hmm. alchemy practice, you know, because you can take the fire element and then you can help to take all these energies, which in astrological context, you would just call that Mars. And, and how do you get the creative, how do you become more like a Dharma warrior, which is Mars's creative expression versus a destructive kind of uh, a soldier that's, that's, you know, being fueled off of vengeance or anger, this type mm-hmm. of stuff. All these are mythological archetypes that are playing out in all of our lives. Mm. Oh my God. I'm like, honey, I need a reading from you. That <laughs> sounds great. Listen, but talk to me about the, the sort of like the mechanics of when we are hit with that big wave of 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 grief or sadness or hopelessness or despair mm-hmm. that like you know the smallest things happen maybe we got a call we haven't gotten a call back from our friend and we really were looking forward to for an example let's say a you got a great you got great news about 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 something right sort of in the in the realm of 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 material <laughs> success yeah you got a great you got a call you got a job you're being you're being flown out to film this movie you're so nice. excited about it. you've been working your whole life to like be in this yeah. movie you that's your favorite director boom and then you get this call and then you're calling your best friend for you to celebrate with your best friend, but your best friend is not available and they're not answering. You call them like three times. They don't answer. You text them. They are reading your text, but not replying. A couple of days <laughs> go by, you enter to the spiral, you know, you start that's to go into the... Never, that's why you never allow your text to be read. Uh, to, <laughs> <laughs> the, the red, don't turn you, your red receipts on. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> never turn your that's red right. receipts on. Exactly. You know, we, subconscious is all over the world. Red receipts. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, it's, and then like the sense of, of sadness then, then arrives in you and like, oh, I don't have any friends. I'm alone. Now you're feeling hopeless. And then the hopelessness kind of brings in like a train of stories and the stories are kind of showing us the historical evidence uh, from the past of all the ways that we felt hopeless and all the reasons why future stories now that we will be hopeless in the future or we'll be, be alone and all the ways that we didn't have anybody when we needed and all the ways that now we're not going to have anybody when we need. So this sort of like touching the feeling in the body could awaken this train of stories in the mind of like past reasons why and future reasons why. Does that make sense? And like yeah. when we go into that depth of it, like feeling it, like I found that in, in, with somatic awareness and with this practice of feeling the feelings, it's like, why the fuck would I want to touch a feeling? If every time I go towards it, I get bombarded with like a, a massive tornado of the most crazy stories. Some of them are real and some of them my mind makes up, you know, like what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what the fuck? It literally, um, I'm like, why are you being so mean to me? You know, yeah. <laughs> literally. Yeah, I have a, I have a simple solution for this one. Yes, that please. Was like, that, um, you know, maybe sounds overly simplistic, but I kind of think it's the key to the whole thing. And, um, and back to kind of the Buddha's dharma is, is compassion. And, and which then causes us to just take baby steps. 
because I, that wave's too big. I'm not going to surf that wave. Are you kidding? Have you seen those waves in Kauai? Like, I'm not going to try to like get out there with those waves. They'll like destroy mm-hmm. you. That's kind of how it feels like sometimes with our emotions and our emotional yeah. body. And, and the simplest thing, like something that's really ultimately insignificant, like, like they're not texting me back or, or whatever, you know, can, can those are just a little, of course, triggers that then, are are kind of stimulating very, very much deeper emotional karmas, emotional tendencies that uh, you know we do eventually want to work those things out because on the other side of there of it is such happiness uh, and such uh, stability. But we can't just plow through to the other side. It doesn't work like that. We have to take baby steps. And how I do that is it's self compassion. And I say self, we, often we say just self-love, but I mm-hmm. like to use the word compassion because I think it's the starting point for everything else. And, and, and furthermore, self-compassion is the starting point for compassion for another person. And the mm-hmm. starting point for me being compassionate for myself is for me to acknowledge that I'm suffering. Like in that moment, mm-hmm. in that moment, I am feeling, I'm having an experience of suffering. Mm-hmm. And that deserves compassion. Mm-hmm. And so one thing is to just like, if you can, take a bath, you know, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. lay down, but, mm-hmm. but become actually cognizant of being s- compassionate towards yourself, allowing yourself mm-hmm. to just feel, let's bring this back into that feeling. You don't even have to feel that big thing, emotion that's coming but feel the feeling of not wanting to feel that big emotion, Mm. you know, feel Mm -hmm. that and have compassion for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then, and then if I'm practicing that in the, once again, baby steps, I'm practicing that when I find, when I'm experiencing other persons or beings also suffering I'm going to naturally feel compassionate to them. So even to the extent, like I find like if somebody like for some reason gets pissed off at me, like driving, like, and like, like yells and like, or like flips a bird in the past, you know, I would have a reactive response to that. I'll just, I'll feel, so, I'll feel so compassionate for that person. Cause it's, cause like, that's a, that's a miserable state. You know, mm-hmm. and I know mm-hmm. it because I've been there myself. And so That's you just right. feel it. And it. It doesn't mean it has to be all heavy. It can also be fun and, and a little bit humorous. I'd be like, all right, come on. But the, there can be a mood underneath it that's really coming from compassion and love. Mm-hmm. And then if we're not, if we're finding ways to keep things, you know, relatively light, not getting too stuck in the mud of our difficulties and our suffering, because that's the other part, right? Just in the way that mm-hmm. we want to keep track of our suffering and, and so that we can continue to practice compassion for our own predicament. We want to mm-hmm. keep track of our joy and we want to keep making sure that we're having fun. And we're, especially if you're taking these paths on spirituality, you're going into the subconscious, you're endeavoring to like keep dancing, you know, keep listening to great music, keep having fun the best mm-hmm. of our ability. Try not to take ourselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. So, but mm-hmm. compassion, I think, is a starting point for everything else. It's the, to me, it's the web that everything else is held on. It's the basket everything else is held in. Is like the womb mm-hmm. of compassion. Mm-hmm. I love this so much. And like two things that I'm tracking that you said, and, and it's, I love the idea that we start the process by the recognition of our innate, fundamental, basic goodness that we are, you know, Buddhas at the base of our being, that we have that illumination, that solarness right there within us. I love starting that, the orientation from that, that being the starting point. And in the scriptures, they always say like, you know, these uh, challenging feelings, they feel really challenging because you know that they're not who you are. And there is this dissonance with it and you're pushing up against it because they're not who you are, but they feel like <laughs> the definition of our biography. They feel like a definition of our of our moment, of our lives. But there is this clash 
you know, this, this, this big bumping up against something. And, and through the, through my understanding of the scriptures, the Buddhist scriptures that it's just because it's not who you are. And, and there is this kind of like, you know, moment of revelation that comes up. And then I love what you said too, (laughs) about the, the self-compassion. I love the idea of like, you know, when we say I'm compassionate towards other beings, don't forget to include ourselves into the mix. I think oftentimes we forget that. And then, and then I think people sort of misunderstand what compassion really is. And then being able to see the suffering in the other, just like me, as Pema Trudrone speaks about it, um, you know, just like me, they suffer, just like me, they want to be happy. That kind of common humanity to see that that guy driving, I don't know about you, Jay, but maybe, I don't know, are you a reckless driver? You drive a little fast, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I have never gotten an accident, but I'm a little bit wild, you know, never, never, nothing's ever happened. But everyone who gets in my car is like, bitch, what the fuck? I'm like, I'm leaving my fantasy. You want to be part of my fantasy? This is how I drive, you know? So, and I'm sometimes I'm misusing some karmic points, you know, by driving the way I drive. I should be saving those karmic points for like the less adventurous, karmic less, points. you know what I mean? But like, sometimes I, I misuse them. But anyways, you know, sometimes the guy, the, the person next to to, to the, you driving, you know, they're cursing you out or they're crossing over you or they're being unkind. And I always bring back to the idea of, of having the self-compassion that bridges into the compassion towards other beings in a sense of like, if someone is being, you know, um, really irresponsible and really hurtful in their and destructive in their tendencies and they're having this sort of a um you know just unkind approach to themselves in life we have to recognize that compassion reminds us that they're acting out in this way because they're in pain themselves and the, what's missing in their stew is a little kindness towards themselves and you're catching their lack of compassion for themselves and it shows up as a lashing out towards another but we know Thich Nhat Hanh speaks about this so so beautifully. It's like instead of us seeking to punish them by saying "fuck you too," we just hey, this person is actually crying out for help. Like, can I be part of the restoration of love instead of the instead of adopting a punitive approach to someone's um, unkindness? You know, I think we're so colonized and hallucinated into the industrial prison complex of punishing each other constantly. And that's not compassion, honey. Like literally, if you call yourself a compassionate being, it's like pull back the punitive approach, right? Yeah, I mean, you you can start to imagine the world if, you know, compassion's, you know, everybody agrees on compassion as a virtue. But that's different than it being the starting point and the center of all things. And when and if you can kind of imagine, you know, and we're all none of us are you know perf- necessarily perfected in this, unless we've become like Buddhas ourselves, uh, which if I'm far from not, it over here, I am <laughs> definitely not. The then the then even just the endeavor to to be compassionate, and, but it, but also for me, you take I take it on as a practice, you know, and then it, so it comes in. I think it. For me, like in yoga practice, compassion has to be the beginning and ending point, the starting point and the basket that holds the whole thing. Otherwise, even in like, for instance, Kundalini Yoga and Tantra, you can really generate tremendous amounts of energy and and insights and magnetism. But that thing can also go off the rails too without that, that, that web of, compassion being love being the centerpiece it keeps us you know it keeps us humble and Mm -hmm. and and that's very important because you know we all are brilliant majestic beings so it can become easy to be overly impressed with ourselves just in the similar way that you know many of us are overly unimpressed with ourselves Mm -hmm. you know low Mm self-esteem you can get the the excess self-esteem thing going too where we've lost track of things a bit. So anyways, that, the point just being is that when compassion is not just like a side virtue, <laughs> but really every, where everything else comes from mm. and, and 
and uh, is is kind of the necessary ingredient to make everything in life work, then you can start to imagine what life would be like and how the mind would operate a little differently. If that's a genuine wish, you know, it doesn't have to be a gen- perfection, but a genuine wish, something that we're putting into activity, you know, in our lives. And there's all sorts of ways to do that in beyond philosophy, you know. That's right. That's right. Thank you for that. That's so beautiful. I love the emphasis on compassion. I love the emphasis on that. And I love how you shifted the vocabulary from like self-love to self-compassion. That feels much more of an active, uh, of an active practice. You know, the idea of love, it can feel so like, you know, um, you know, it's sweet and, and kind and, and patient, and, and but it also can feel a little fluffy. Compassion does require sort of an action. It does, you know, I, I think when I was living at the Omega Institute and, you know, I, living as a volunteer before and now as a coming there to, as an educator it was kind of a, uh, was a big change for me. But I remember on the shirts, I think you said something like love, compassion is love in action or something like that. Um, so I love what you said there. And one thing that I'm realizing that I, I, I really am surrounded by so many people who talk about so much about astrology, and I'm always just kind of like low-key, I know I'm going to get backlash for this, disregarding it, you know, not really giving too much emphasis to it, but I feel like I'm talking to someone who really knows their shit about astrology. So please give us, you know, like bring some more education and clarification into into. How do we use the communication with the outer, you know, astro- mm. astrological knowledge to kind of like show us how to care for ourselves and how to sort of become the better version of ourselves? You know, the little ignorant experience that I have with it is that like the same way that certain things grow at certain seasons in life, it's what happens in here. Astrologically, when things change up there, it's how certain things blossom in here or cer- certain things kind of go a little bit, you know, shadowy and 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 murky in here. Uh, but but take it away. I would love to hear your work with astrology and how it shows up in your life and the life of, of, of people that you work with. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. The, you know, astrology is just an endlessly fascinating uh art to me. I think of it much more of an art. It's both an art and a science. It's at least for me as much of an art as it is a science. I never really think of it as like planets up in the sky that are somehow controlling us. And there's a great Mm. chapter in Autobiography of a Yogi, um, the famous book by Paramahansa Yogananda, Mm -hmm. uh, called Outwitting the Stars, where he goes to his guru and his his guru, Sri Yukteswar, is recommending that he put an astrological bangle on and uh for some sort of transits that were coming up in his life and you know he had but yogananda had kind of grown up a skeptic of astrology it was just like a you know it seemed like a lot of superstition to him and this type of thing and so his guru goes on to start to describe it one of the things he says is a person's horoscope their natal chart is a what he called it as a challenging portrait uh, a challenging portrait that shows the unalterable past a person one's unalterable past and probable future so that's saying that well the horoscope is is basically all the tendencies that have accumulated and all the energy it's you know it's impossible to fully describe it but basically it shows uh, he his semantic he used or the translation of it was a challenging portrait of one's unalterable past and and probable future or wow. also you could just think of it as kind of like a like a, a blueprint or an, of the architecture of your whole of your of your of your psyche but mm-hmm. all your your mind the emotions the the sense of purpose and not just really not talking about the psyche in just terms of psychology, but the whole psyche of life, meaning our relationship to our mother or father, our relationship. Those are archetypes that express themselves in our lives. Are we more of an activist type or are we more of, of someone who's like really like doesn't, is not comfortable in that realm of activism of their life, but they're, 
you know, mm-hmm. someone who's a much more of like a, a feminine, subtle, intuitive, you know, sometimes you get those two things will combine. There's infinite expressions of all these different things. And so for me, the word, the name for astrology in, in India is Jyotish, which is like to shed light. Jyotish is light, to shed light on life's circumstances. Mm-hmm. And of all the Vedas, Jyotish, the, the different limbs of the Vedas are different parts of the body. The Jyotish is the eyes. So it helps you see your direction, where you're going, kind of helps you see where you've been, see where you are, and see where you're going. But not in some tight way we're trying to make necessarily, um, you know, predictions, although most astrologers do use astrology to make predictions. It's not really what my thing is at all. Mine is more oh, from Oh, I asked yoga. the right person then. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had really good teachers, you know, and, um, and but it's more from a yogic astrology context to where the idea is to actually use it as a way of helping yourself to blossom and helping to be happier and, and understanding your inner architecture. And then, and part of the way you do that is you know, you, you have to learn the language, you have to study it a little bit. Then you get to, then you learn the charts of the people, you know, the best, like your significant other, your children, your family members, your best friends, your coworkers. And you start to see how these things play out in life and give you tremendous insight into, yeah, just life in, in all its facets. And it's fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like the emphasis <laughs> of fun too. Um, yeah. <laughs> What's your what's your astrological makeup? Well, so I I use Vedic astrology, so it's a, it's um, you know the calculations of how they calculate the zodiac are a little different. Mm-hmm. So, um, but generally speaking, I have Capricorn is on my ascendant. Mm-hmm. My sun is in uh, Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. My moon is in Gemini. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was born on a full moon on the winter solstice with Saturn and Jupiter on the same degree um, in uh, Virgo. So that paints a picture. If someone who's listening who knows this stuff, by all means, have fun, <laughs> dive in, you know. All I can tell you about me is that it's Sagittarius, Aquarius, Aquarius. That's uh-huh. what I know about it. Uh-huh. Cool. Um, <laughs> And I have, I've had people read my charts from, you know, Tibetan astrologers, Vedic astrologers, the, the sort of Western kind of, uh, what do they call evolutionary astrology? Um, I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating. I also find fascinating that like some seasons kind of give me like, you know, grace to just kind of like chill out. And I do talk to an astrologer. Uh, once every few months to uh, Daryl, if you're listening, shout out to you. Thank you. <laughs> um, Daryl. Exactly. Daryl is a, is a gem. And I'm actually going to call him after this too, because you reminded me, I need some dates, honey. I need to know what's coming up for me. <laughs> you know, um, he he always tells me the, the challenging days in, in the months. And it's, you know, as much as I want to resist that fucking thing, it's so true. <laughs> it literally is like these four days is gonna be challenging. You're gonna you're gonna go through a challenge, and I'm like, oh wow! And it's in every shape, in every shape of challenge, I get served the tea. And I'm like, okay, cool. I should by now start to believe you. Check your calendar. Look ahead. What's coming up? So there is some degree of like a dance with forces that are bigger than me. That I, that's my sort of a kind of a, you know how I'm I'm under I'm working with it now. Yeah, totally. And I like really to me, it's always important like to keep the mystery alive. So okay, this might be challenging days. That's kind of how I look at it. The weather, you know. I mean, there's some things where you can really clearly see. Oh, this is going to be strong yep. weather. All right. Well, you know, wear the right gear for that. But don't. But but it doesn't mean change, you know, your plans necessarily or change out, you know, anything in particular. So much of it can just help like inner disposition and expectations, mm-hmm. which kind of helps along. I find that process of not emotionally grasping too tightly on pleasures, not pushing away too forcefully on the pains because all of it's coming and all of it actually has love to deliver. And, um, mm. you know, so the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. Mm, I love that. And I also love the idea of the weather 
get ready. Just wear a fucking raincoat. What are you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? But I gotta tell you, I went to I went to uh, two 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 different um, in a, in a two week period. I was coming back from Greece and then flying into Spain. I swear to the goodness of the mystery. Both of the dates, he said, these two days are going to be very challenging. These two days are going to be very challenging. Both of those flights were like, you know, wild, like running through the airport to try to make a connection, arriving at the place and someone is sitting in my seat and and then getting to the connection flight and then the gates change and then you run into a whole nother side of the airport and I'm sweating. You know, I'm pulling a look to the airport too. So, you know, it's like all of a sudden you're like... You're like, what's happening? You know, <laughs> when you pull up to the seat um, and then losing luggage. And I'm like, wow, OK, cool. I guess I do believe in this prediction. In, in you know, I fine, I get it. You know, fine. Tell me, you know. Um, but anyways, listen, yeah. how did you get into all of this? How did you become who you are today? Like what set you off on the journey of self-discovery and, <laughs> and you educate and guide so many people all around the world? Like it's so much responsibility and, and it's so natural and it's so relaxing to talk to you. You're so, it's, it's, you know, you're embodying what you teach, which is wonderful. Talking to so many people like this all the time and, you know, doing my rounds around, it's, Sometimes people are very poetic and sweet and, 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 you know, they can philosophize your intellect into being seduced into believing some truth. And other people could say things, but also it's a felt <laughs> sense. And I'm feeling your felt sense um, of, of you being, you, you, you are doing the thing, honey. And it's a thing and it's like transmits to the screen. So good fucking job. So how did you arrive at this place? What was the catalyst to giving, to getting you to this place? Well, it's a bit of a story. Um, I'll have to tell it when we have a little more time. Okay. Um, but the short version of that is, you know, I grew up in the southeast of the United States. I, um, you know, at a pretty young age, got had got had got sick. Essentially, had some real health challenges. But that sent me on a quest to really like discover things. So you know, even as a by the time I had gotten like to you know eighteen, I had already you know explored a lot in terms of all sorts of things, whether it's psychedelics and anything mm -hmm. I could figure out. I'm growing up in you know South Carolina in the eighties, so it's not it's not like there's yoga around or anything like that. But eventually, I did as an eighteen year old, um, you know, got. Uh, turned on to kundalini yoga um I, and i had already had been discovering ayurveda as a healing science because i was looking to heal myself so it, it happened through a self-healing process initially and then that just opened up this whole world for me and um mm -hmm. so that's the short answer and um but that's essentially what catalyzed it mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. And um, because we don't have a lot of time, I want to ask you two last questions. Okay, first good. question, first of the two, um, have you had mystical experiences? Is there one that you're okay sharing? Hmm. Well, I feel like I have mystical experiences all the time. Like, in the, really, it's, it's there's a certain point, you know, where, where it almost feels, uh, certainly there are experiences that are more mystical than others, but what I'm really love and into is I just experience like all my life, like is a mystical experience. I mm. struggle to find where the mysticism is not. And, um, but yes, no, as a, um, I've had, you know, many like uh, kind of, what do you say, substantive ones or um, ones that really shaped me or gave me some sort of, you know, uh, change in my life or transform me in some helpful way. Um, there, the thing with mystical experiences, for me at least, they're a bit hard to like try to I almost you almost regret it when you try to attempt to describe it. Um, so the first ones mystical experiences that I had as a young person that were with the aids aid of psychedelics. But I always mm -hmm. felt like you know whether it was you know psilocybin, LSD, etc. And but I always felt 
and even with cannabis, I always felt like, I feel like I could, these are states that I, sh- I could tap into uh, without, without the assist. Mm-hmm. I always felt that. And then when I discovered Kundalini Yoga, I was able to more or less prove that to myself in, in so many ways. Um, however, I think it's hard to, uh, well, it kind of goes back to that idea of chasing experiences. Um, I'm a little bit, you know, um, watchful of that nowadays, which I think what, what is nice when you're like, well, where is the mysticism not? Then it's, it, you know, it kind of helps that. But I also do think that big experiences, I've, I've, I've gone in, usually most of my mystical experiences have happened or been stimulated through some Kundalini yoga practice in my life. Mm. And, um, and those have been many. There's a handful, there's one or two that come into my mind at the moment. Um, like I had one that really gave me a sense of not what my past lives were so mm-hmm. much, but that there are plenty of them. And it was um, in that and kind of I had the experience of also kind of feeling the weight of them and what it feels like as the weight of them kind of just like, you know, m- moves away almost what it looked like was like like ghost after ghost after ghost after ghost they weren't wow. they didn't come across to me it wouldn't feel like scary ghost it felt mm-hmm. actually quite blissful and that gave me a, a an experience that i felt and embodied and i was totally sober you know and meaning i wasn't really sober i was intoxicated but i didn't take anything mm-hmm. and um so that's uh, you know those types of things that happen all the time and um and then, you know, in the early stages of yoga practice, you try to get, you try to do them again. You know, you try to make oh, those yeah. experiences happen. I've never had a great experience where I was trying to make an experience happen. It's always just happened when I wasn't pain, when I wasn't even considering it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that so much. And thank you for opening up with like where mysticism I have yeah. the exact words, yeah. but it's I just it's to always find where there. mysticism is not. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I love yeah. that. And I think the reason why I asked this question in the podcast is to sort of emphasize that it's like life is so mystical. You know, the fact mm. that it's so mysterious is mystical. The fact that there's mm. so much that we don't know yes. is that in itself is so juicy, you know? Yeah, like what um, is all this? <laughs> that's right. Someone please help me. Give me a flashlight. <laughs> Um, but listen, last question before <laughs> exactly. you go. Um, what does it mean okay. to you to be spiritually Perfect. sassy? <laughs> wow, I've never thought about that. What does it mean to me? Um, I would say that's to feel your you to to feel yourself, like to feel your authentic self, and to like tap into that and to let it come forth. Like some some of us have an easier time with that than others but all of us can like cultivate that and it's not feeling ourselves because like yeah sure like we like how we look we we may like you know all different parts that's part of it but it's feeling ourselves in the same way that we can that anyone could feel themselves like they feel themselves like i'm alive and you can feel your own energy you can feel your sense of like you can get you know to to have confidence is to give you some sense of swag you know, to have some sense of, you know what you're about, you know, your vibe, nobody can take that away from you. And it's mm. to, it's to lean into who you are in this lifetime and, mm-hmm. um, and to embrace it. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I would say. That. Yeah. I love that. So do you think that to get to know who we are, two paths to it, obviously the path of stillness, uh, and practicing of stillness and all, all things that may come up with spirituality but do you think astrology can be a foundational ground for people to get to know themselves and to get the swagger you know that you're talking about i think it's a super helpful tool for that especially if you then combine it with like some yoga practice or something to where okay i know i have my son in the 12th house or something which would make it oh question myself more okay that's good so what's the positive part of that oh you question yourself you actually get to know your real self because the real Mm -hmm. spiritual swag or spiritual sass Mm -hmm. is coming from actually knowing the 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 real self not the one that's on the surface of things i think 
And so it can give you clues into that. But then you will still have to do it yourself. You know, Strauss, you can't do it for us, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. Thanks for having me. This was such a beautiful... I'll talk to you anytime. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Have so much fun and, uh, you know, bless your journey to New York. And um, let's, I would love to have you on again and just kind of dive deeper and deeper. This is like, I love that yeah. in the first, I'm like tracking the time, six minutes. We're already talking about the unsex, unsatisfactory yeah. nature of all <laughs> phenomena. I'm like, this is the podcast, honey. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been yeah, an honor so and a joy. Welcome. Pleasure. So anytime. Ne- until next time. How about that? Yes, until next time. Thank you. I'm Sadi Simone, and you've been listening to The Spiritually Sassy Show. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And join me next Sunday for another Spiritually Sassy Conversation. Thank you so much for listening, and I love you.